It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Are you a saint? If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, you might be a little reluctant to respond to that question. Because in most of our minds, we think that a saint is someone that reaches this high degree of spirituality and devotion and religious fervor that ordinary Christians never really attain to. And only that kind of person could qualify to be called a saint. Not so according to the Word of God. But before I explain my position, let me share a story with you that I heard years ago that really illustrates what I have to say. A little boy was walking in this big, massive cathedral with high spires and The walls were lined with stained glass windows. It was an early morning service. The sun was just rising, and the first filtering rays of light were coming through the windows and casting all kinds of beautiful images on the other opposite side. And as this little boy walked down the middle aisle of the church, he looked up at the stained glass windows and saw the sunlight streaming through And all of a sudden, tugged on his daddy's coat and said, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And he said, what is this, son? He said, now I know what a saint is. He said, well, what's a saint, son? He said, Daddy, it's someone that the light shines through. And I thought that was just a perfect illustration. What is a saint? Certainly not someone who originates but someone who translates or transfers the things of God that come into us into the lives of others. And there's a lot of theological uh, depth to the idea, to the concept of what happens, how it occurs, how a person becomes a saint. Let me take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Paul says, To the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. That verse clearly indicates, it clearly reveals that every single person in the body of Christ is called to be a saint. And that status is conferred on you at the moment of salvation. Now, there's really three requirements indicated in that particular verse. Let me read it again. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Not hope to be, but to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. All-inclusive statement that included everyone in the church called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So there's three requirements, just like I said. First, to be a saint, you must be a part of the church. And I'm not talking about the professing church. There's over 2 billion 
professing Christians in the world, but a much smaller group that I would call possessing Christians, those who truly possess a born-again experience and possess a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you are in the church of God, and that's uh, not the denomination, the church of God, but all born-again believers, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, that's the second thing, with all who in every place call on the name of the Lord. That's the third thing. So if you've called on the name of Jesus for salvation, and if you are in Christ, that means under his headship, where he is Lord of your life, and he's the head of the body, you're one little cell in the mystical body of Christ, yet you are connected to the head, and so everything that he is flows down into your life. So if you are in Christ, then you are sanctified in Christ under his headship. Praise God for that. And that positions you in the church of God. All of those qualify you to be called a saint. You may say, but I'm not worthy to claim that status. Maybe you're thinking of all the mess-ups you've had in life. Maybe you're thinking of all the errors you've made in the past, and you think that disqualifies you. Let me read another scripture. Colossians 1.12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father who has made us worthy to participate in the inheritance of the saints in light. I love the Jubilee Bible version of that passage. Other more modern versions say that he has qualified us to be saints in light. So <coughs> we disqualify ourselves. We think um, it's impossible. I, I'm not the kind of person that would be matched to the standard of sainthood and yet God has made us worthy. God has qualified us. Well, how did he do that? God makes unworthy people worthy of occupying that lofty position. Because this scripture says, giving thanks unto the Father who made us worthy. So here you're going around all the time saying, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. I'm not worthy to do this. I'm not worthy to do that. I'm not worthy to preach. I'm not worthy to sing in the choir. Wait a second. The Bible said God has made you worthy. So it's not really your righteousness, but his imparted righteousness that brings you into that place of worthiness. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about various people of God through the centuries and millennia that are notable individuals in the Bible. And it says, of whom the world was not worthy, which is a mind-bending thought. Here we're claiming unworthiness. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it says the world was not worthy to have God's saintly people as its inhabitants because of the corrupt system that is what we call the world. All right, well then how did God sanctify me? How did he make me worthy? And really those two things are synonymous. To be made worthy is to be sanctified because you can't be a saint without being sanctified. The two go together. Impossible to remove one from the other. I think the best scripture I can share with you on this 
is Leviticus chapter 20, verses 7 and 8. And this is going to show you how sainthood or a sanctified status is the result of a dual effort. It's on your part, but it's also on God's part. And his part is a lot more important than our part. All right, Leviticus 20, verse 7 and 8 says it this way. Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God, and you shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. That almost sounds like devil talk. God starts out by saying, sanctify yourselves, which means to cleanse yourself from the defilement of sin and be separated unto the purpose of God in your life. There's a dual meaning to the word sanctify. So God puts the responsibility on us. He says, you do it. You sanctify yourself. How do you do that? By cleansing your life of things that would defile your mind, defile your heart, not listening to the wrong music or watching the wrong television shows or involving yourself in the wrong relationships or wrong conversations or things that have a contaminating influence. Strip your house of anything that may be occultic or new age. If you've been involved in other religions, don't let any emblems of that former religion still be hanging on your walls. Sanctify yourselves and be holy. For I am the Lord your God. In other words, if I'm going to be your God, honor me. Respect and reverence the fact that I have condescended to come and dwell in your life and make you the temple that I live in. But then God realizes how human we are and how much we're going to fall short in various areas. He does say, you shall keep my statutes and do them, for I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So he's saying, you do the best you can do, but then I'm going to take up the slack and make up the lack. I'm going to supply what's necessary to complete the work. Now, let me show you how God sanctifies people. Let me show you the seven other ways. There's eight ways totally that God sanctifies us. And what does sanctification mean? Again, it means to be cleansed from the defilement of sin and made holy, and it means to be consecrated to the purpose of God in your life. Number one, John 17, verse 19, Jesus is praying for the church, and he says, sanctify them by the truth. Sanctify them by the truth. All right? When you know the truth, it severs your connection to falsehood and deception and evil and sin. The truth will make you free. And so you are sanctified by the truth. And then in Acts chapter 26, verse 18, the Bible says that we are sanctified by faith. So once you receive the truth, you have to believe in the truth. When your faith connects with the truth, then there's a sanctifying influence on your life. 1 Corinthians 6, 11 says you are sanctified in the name of the Lord. See, it's not really complicated. I don't care how messed up you are. You can just cry out, Jesus, help me. And there's a sanctifying power that will tear down strongholds and liberate you from demonic influence just at the mention of his name. Then in Hebrews 10, 10, 
it says we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. And so his form on the cross, lacerated and bleeding and bruised, brutally treated, when we set our faith on the fact that he became sin for us and bore the judgment of death that should have fallen on us, we are sanctified by connecting our faith to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Romans 15, 16 says that we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So when you call on the name of the Lord and you accept the truth and you set your faith on the cross, then the Holy Spirit comes into your life and sets you apart unto God. Then Jude 1.1 says that we are sanctified by God the Father. So once we do our part and call on the name of the Lord and believe on the cross and absorb the truth into our life, then God draws us to his bosom like a father bringing a child back home to himself. Then Hebrews 13, 12 says we are sanctified by the blood of Jesus. And this brings me to a very important point, because when you get saved, the blood of Jesus doesn't just cover you. You absorb it into your spirit. It begins to flow through you on a constant basis, just like natural blood flows through your circulatory system. And it's a vast thing. You can take all the veins and arteries and capillaries and microscopic capillaries in an adult human being, stretch it out in one line, and your blood system would go around the world two and a half times at the equator. Check it out. You'll find out I'm right. Why? Because every individual cell has to have a constant blood supply. For what reason? Two reasons. That blood first nourishes every cell with oxygen from the lungs, nutrients from the digestive system, but it also extracts the poisons and the contaminating things that are in the cells so they won't become diseased. So there's a life and death struggle going on on a cellular basis every passing moment. Whether you're conscious of it or not, you're being invigorated naturally by the flow of blood through your system. Well, the same thing is true spiritually. There's a constant flow of the blood of Jesus through your spirit that sanctifies you moment by moment. Every single passing moment, you're being made holy all over again, made righteous all over again, cleansed from this world and its sin all over again, consecrated to God all over again. As long as you keep a yielded mindset toward God, there's no restriction. There's no restriction in the bloodstream, if you will. All right, that brings us back to number eight, which is what I started with, actually. We're sanctified in Christ, because if we embrace the truth, have faith in it, call on the name of the Lord, put our eyes on the crucified form of Jesus, then we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're drawn to the Father's bosom, the blood of Jesus begins to flow through us constantly. And from that point forward, we are under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we become a saint, right? Automatically. Bingo. No. Yes. No. Yes. Well, maybe. Uh, why am I vacillating between no and yes? Because yes, you become a saint, but no, it's not fully manifested yet. What if I were to 
hold this up to you right now and say, look, I've got a pine tree in my hand. And for those of you that are listening to this and not watching it, I'm holding up a pine cone right now with a little leaf attached to it or a dead leaf attached to it, some of the pine uh, needles. So if I were to hold this up and say, I have a pine tree in my hand, you'd say, oh, that's ridiculous. You'd scoff at me saying, you don't have a pine tree. You've got a pine cone. But the potential to become a tree is hidden inside of the heart of this pine cone. All I have to do is plant this pine cone in the ground. It gives up its existence. It dies, if you will, quote unquote. And then out of that will resurrect this inner hidden potential that is invisible. It's hidden somewhere in there, but it can burst out of the ground and grow 50, 60 foot tall into an adult, mature tree that looks just like the one it came from. Did you hear me? That looks just like the one it came from. In like manner, yes, you are a saint, potentially, but you've got to fall into the ground and die to self, die to the world, die to sin, die to temptations, die to the lower nature, in order for this potential in you to be fully awakened. And then you can walk as a saint in this world. And then you can be one of the saints in light because the light can shine through you unhindered and unrestricted. One more thing I want to tell you, and then I'm going to close. When were you first sanctified? Think about that. When were you first sanctified? Your automatic response would probably be the day I got saved. That's logical, but not biblical. You may say, well, maybe it was the day I was born into this world and God anticipated I would be saved and he put his influence in my life. That sounds logical too, but it's not biblical. When were you sanctified? Let me quote to you what God said to Jeremiah. When he introduced himself to Jeremiah and showed him that he was called to be a prophet. He said, before I formed you, I ordained you. He said, before you were formed in your mother's belly, I sanctified you and called you a prophet unto the nations. So before Jeremiah even came into this world in the form of an infant, he was called and sanctified, not in the sense of being cleansed from the defilement of sin, but in the sense of being set apart unto a divine purpose. And I believe Jesus said the same thing with regard to you. He said, as my father has sent me, so send I you. And when some of the Pharisees were withstanding him, he said, say you of him whom the father has sanctified and sent into the world. I am blaspheming because I said I am the son of God. Watch the progression of that thought. Jesus told the Pharisees the Father had sanctified him and then sent him into the world. So before he was in Mary's womb, a purpose was attached to his future existence. The Father sanctified him, set him apart for the purpose of redeeming a fallen human race and turning sinners into saints. And if he was sanctified before the world was, then you and I 
in a sense, were sanctified before the world was. We have a purpose, but it will never be realized. It will never be fulfilled until we, like the pine cone, fall into the ground and die. And then that potential can be awakened. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shreve, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given his people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.